Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Control-Alt-Azure. This episode is sponsored by Solveto. Continuous learning is the driver for success, growth, and well-being. Learn or expire. Keep your Azure skills up to date. Act now by going to solveto.fi slash pro. I'm Tobias. I'm back again with UC. What's up? Hey, Toby. What I've been doing lately, I've been shoveling snow. I think I mentioned this perhaps once or twice in the, in the past six months or so, but since we moved to the new house, it's a separate house with our own piece of land. So I am responsible for getting rid of the snow whenever we need to drive the car out from the garage. Or if I need to go to the home office, I need to quickly go outside to get to the connected home office next to the garage. So for the first month since winter started here in Finland around December, for the first month, it was great. I could shovel snow, get some exercise in before going to the gym. But yesterday, I think we got 15 centimeters of snow. I think it's it's like a half foot of snow, and it's snowing again all day long. And I'm watching out, out the window, just realizing that I know what I've been doing tonight. So it's been fun, but I am not sure if I want this much fun next year. So I'm already looking into, into possible options of melting the snow before it hits my land. Yeah, really nice. Actually, what I saw as a coincidence the other day, a friend of mine from the U.S. posted a picture saying, hey, this is my driveway and here's all my neighbors. Because all the neighbors, they had icy and snowed driveways, but he installed some kind of heating thing underneath the pavement of the driveway. So he always had a clear driveway. So maybe that's an idea. But then you have to redo all the work that you've already done with the new house. So food for thoughts. Um, on my end, you know, I I think I've mentioned a couple of times we bought a very old house. There's a lot to fix around here. One thing that is fun is I spent more time kind of tuning the water heating systems, which is kind of heating our entire house. It's not because of a fun reason, because like last month we had 1,000 euro bill for only electricity, which is kind of ridiculous right now. But we have this kind of energy crisis at the at the moment. So it's kind of crazy times. But like the fun angle to this is I started connecting and, and try all the, the different APIs that I could find for getting the spot prices or the current prices for electricity, plug that into Azure Event Grids to push to my storage account. And then I run analytics on that data and see kind of the fluctuations and find patterns to find the best time to turn up or down the consumption of electricity. So if I have an electric car and I need to charge it, or if I need to run my tumble dryer, or I need to turn up the heat in the house or stuff like that, I can get indications saying now is actually a good time to do that. Or if you do it now, it's gonna probably, like here's the projected cost if you turn these things on for the next two hours. So just something to play around with. And I know that there's a bunch of stuff available on the market to buy that you can use for these kind of indicators, but it was fun building this myself and really get the insights. So it's a real-world problem with some applied data analytics to get better insights. Uh, interesting, but also painful to see the invoices each month, you know, even after you've done optimizations. So hopefully the economic climate uh, will turn positive again soon and the energy prices, they level out. But until they do, I have a reason to play around with my Azure data analytics and take a look at how I can optimize just to keep myself busy. I can, I can share the pain with the electricity bill, but comparing to yours i i feel that i'm 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 still relatively safe with my 500 euro bill per <laughs> month let's see how it goes all righty so today we are talking about if we can ignore certificates and p 
PKI in the cloud era. And for this, we have a special guest, Mr. Mika Seitsonen, to join us. Welcome, Mika. Super happy to have you here. Please introduce yourself. Thank you. And nice to be in your show. So what I've been doing, I've been doing a quarter of a century of Microsoft uh, ecosystem as trainer, as consultant. And actually it goes insights with uh, what PKI has uh, been there in Microsoft ecosystem. So we had the NT option pack. And that's one of the first courses I started doing. I don't remember, was it 936 or something like that? That actually included both IIS and then certificate services version 1.0. And as we all know, then uh, the Active Directory came along, uh, as well as uh, Active Directory Certificate Services. And I trained quite a bit of uh, those trainings, uh, both the mock courses, as well as our own uh, custom-made uh, three-day course. And I've been implementing a lot of uh, in-house or on-premise PKI systems in uh, companies in different industries here in Finland. But as you also know, there have been some changes that have taken places over the last couple of years. So it has also made changes to my role. So I moved into uh, EMS and then Azure Active Directory and then Azure and Security. And then we were thinking about uh, we, uh, when we were discussing about this uh, podcast uh, episode, we were thinking about different kind of certifications. And I've been evangelizing the Microsoft uh, certifications for different uh, topics for the last four years. And when I'm not doing uh, IT, then I tend to do endurance sports. So that's part of me. Oh, wow. This, this sounds great. And when you when you mention certificate services, I'm already envisioning, you know, those old school Windows 2000 advanced servers with CA services enrolled and you're fighting with with the different certificate templates through the really flaky web interface. And I'm I'm looking at Toby now. How Toby is your on premises certificate services doing today today? <laughs> they're they're doing great. Um I have zero trust implemented by turning all the servers off. So they're they're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> sounds sounds great. So the topic today is certificates and the public key infrastructure PKI, but but probably more in the cloud era, not to say that you wouldn't need certificates and PKI in on-premises, obviously you do, but perhaps the more relevant bits are happening in the cloud and or in in, in hybrid. So so Mika, sort of to, to get all of us up to speed on on what's what's relevant and what's not, what would you say is is key and what what are the relevant terms in 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 way of certificates and PKI, PKI as of 2023 now. As you already mentioned, uh, we are living in the hybrid era, as we all know, and also uh, there are multi-cloud environments involved. So it basically means that uh, those uh, on-prem environments that we implemented, they are okay to certain extent. Uh, it's it's not only about Azure, but as we know, also the Microsoft 365 and then the Intune. We have the devices there and a lot of devices coming into Azure when it uh, when in the form of uh, IoT especially. So it, it's something that the devices are there. And then, of course, we have to also 
use the identities, we have to authenticate different uh, uh, objects uh, involved in our systems. And then uh, most obviously we still use certificates and PKI for CIA confidentiality, integrity and availability in the cloud as well. I was thinking about uh, before this, uh, so I, I was thinking about uh, especially the Intune and then the devices, different kind of mobile devices. And just like you, Tobias, uh, already mentioned, you have zero trusted already your on-prem PKI or CA systems. So I, I heard somebody saying that you have already discussed uh, zero trust in multi, uh, several episodes of your podcast. So instead of building different segments for your internal network and i have seen and i know that a lot of companies still have their internal wireless or even wired networks using uh, either device or even user-based authentication or authorization in the form of 802.1x so that's something that is still there but then uh, when you are implementing zero trust as we know, there are not so good ways or it's more complex to implement in the on-premise environment. And that's why somebody also suggested that why don't we get rid of the 802.1x and implement the zero trust so that uh, even our internal network is also kind of untrusted. So that would at least take one uh, big component or big use case out of the question. And then you could start uh, going into the direction that Tobias has already taken. I'm sort of thinking in two ways now. One, for anybody listening, including myself, back in the day, we would spin up certificate services. We would bind those with Active Directory in on-premises. We would grant certificates, we would we would have the, the different sort of uh, trusted uh, root parties that we would trust on the clients and servers. So do we do we sort of still think in that way or do we need something else? So is this more about now that we flip some sort of a switch in Azure AD and sort of move everything related to certificates and PKI to Azure AD? Or do you still feel or think that in a hybrid environment, you would still need the on-premises certificate services to, to complement whatever you get from the cloud also? I would say that uh, most companies probably, especially the larger ones, they probably still want to rely partially to their on-prem CA or PKI systems. Especially so because uh, Azure, or Microsoft Cloud doesn't really provide those services anymore. So it's 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 really your options are either to have your uh, virtual machines running the on-prem AD with the integrated Active Directory certificates on in the on-prem or in Azure as uh, IAS virtual machines. But Azure Active Directory domain services, it doesn't support the integrated uh, CA or PKI. So that's not really an option. And in the other public clouds, they have CAs as a service. At the moment, Microsoft doesn't provide such options. So it's, it's, it's something that uh, if you want to have uh, and if you want to really maintain and manage certificates in a larger scale, you have to implement them from somewhere and that somewhere 
if it's not Active Directory certificate services, as I see that it's it's not a viable option in the long term, then it has to be some third party. And there are a number of options available, not, not just the public clouds, but third party organizations that have been doing PKR, some of them for a long time. We obviously, uh, we are all so old that we know that there was Symantec and there was uh, uh, other companies as well. At the moment, this is third. Is, is the uh, kind of uh, it when I mentioned that I conducted a lot of uh, a lot of PKI trainings uh, now for the couple of years I haven't been doing it and then uh, I had an opportunity we had the training just recently with one company and then I had also opportunity to update my knowledge and awareness that what has actually taken place and there have been uh, different kind of mergers and uh, purchases requirements uh, in in the uh, industry. But then uh, obviously in the cloud, uh, and when we think just what you started, Tobias, talking about the electricity, I assume uh, after listening to a number of episodes of Control at Azure, I assume that your home is not very smart, whereas I assume that Jussi's home is very smart. And there are a lot of devices that are connected. I had actually uh, yesterday a uh, uh, support person coming to fix our washing machine. And, and I'm not going to tell the whole story, but anyway, so I hadn't connected. I purchased the washing machine just four months ago, and it has a wireless connectivity and application that I could start it when I want and then uh, I can watch uh, when it finishes. But anyway, it is not connected to the wireless at the moment yet. And then uh, all different kind of uh, devices, they will be more and more connected all the time. So that's also something that, yes, we have to somehow authenticate. We have seen and heard about different kind of uh, cyber attacks related to connected uh, different kind of uh, appliances. So that's something that uh, I, I think the whole world being more and more connected with electric vehicles, with different devices using IoT, they all have to be somehow authenticated. And then, of course, we have to secure the connectivity as well. So we will definitely need even more certificates in the future than we have used in the past. Makes perfect sense. So, Toby, how's how's your washing machine? Is it smart and connected, or is it is it one of those those old ones from 1985? Yeah, that's a great question. We moved in. It was an old one. It was leaking water, so that was the the main issue. We replaced it. Uh, unfortunately, we, we have one of those small areas for our washing machine. So we have the, those top uh, where you open the hatch on the top and yep. we couldn't find a smart smart one for that. So just a dumb washing machine that we have to manually do everything, including pushing the buttons. So it's OK, though. A lot of things in the house is smart, but not the heating pump, not the washing machine. What I what I did when we moved to the new house about six months ago is that I, I needed to get a new one. So I went to look for something semi smart but not something insanely expensive because it's a washing machine so i got one that has the remote connectivity things and whatnot but what i love about it is is that when i physically visit the machine put put in the laundry and 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 and, and select the program it, when it spins up or, or starts up there there's a small display that says optimizing the laundry load with ai I have no idea what it's doing, <laughs> but it's using AI and I'm getting those messages in my phone as well. 
So as, as, as Mika said, for authenticating and authorizing devices, users, workloads, you need PKI for all of those. But before we talk about what happens in the cloud in the sense that what the use cases are, what if you use, let's say, Let's Encrypt, the, the free service for requesting and getting certificates for whatever workload, is, is, is that not enough? It's it's not really enough. Uh, even even at Sovelto at Sovelto.fi, we are using Let's Encrypt. That's sufficient for your web server and then securing the connectivity. But then you think about it that could you use the same solution if you had a thousand or a million IoT devices? Probably not. So it, it has already uh, some protocol that enables automatic or automation of the certificate lifecycle, renewing it every three months and so on. And there are different other protocols that are available for the same purpose. And then we have, for example, for, for the, I mentioned already, Intune and mobile device management, we have had NDES service available as part of the Active Directory certificate services. So if you have on-prem PKI, then you can integrate it with Intune and use your on-prem, uh, or if it's in the cloud, then anyway, uh, you can you can distribute the certificates for your, for your mobile device from from uh, your C uh, from your on-prem PKI using uh, Intune integration. But it's it's really something that yes, let's encrypt this. There you can get uh, free certificates. I don't know how many millions of certificates they have been uh, distributing over the years. Google also introduced. They have similar solution now available so that you can get the uh, free certificates that will be renewed very often. And that's something that has also taken place over the last couple of years. That uh, a lot of uh, uh, certificate services have reduced the uh, expiry time or the duration of the certificates. So if they were available for four years some time ago, nowadays in certain uh, scenarios, it might be that you have certificates that are only available or they are they are valid for only only a couple of hours instead of uh, years that we are used to. But then it also means that you have to have uh, your certificate lifecycle management automated and then when we think back, if I go back into the history and then uh, not only Active Directory certificate services, but other services as well, we all remember the SH81 and its sunset and how much it forced us to do in order to update or upgrade our certificate services. And that's something that you have to or you should take into into consideration when you are building your PKI services that how agile they are. We are we are going to talk towards the end of this uh, episode. We are going to talk about uh, to the future. So you should have uh, your whole PKI as agile so that it would be known if there is a need to update algorithms and even the whole system. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm definitely buying into this idea. And one of the challenges that I sometimes see with Let's Encrypt is that by default, I think the validity for a granted free certificate, I think it's three months now, 90 days. So every two months, you get the notification that you really need to work on this again. And typically, it's a semi-manual process. So when we when we talk about the cloud now, 
am I right in assuming that if somebody's listening on this and they do not have an on-premises Active Directory any longer, so they probably do not have a certificate services set up any longer, but they are utilizing Azure AD, if they want to use any of the more advanced capabilities like the certificate-based uh, authentication or code signing and whatnot, do they now need to somehow have their own PKI setup, perhaps running certificate services in a virtual machine or using a third-party solution? Because the cloud does not really, in Azure, it doesn't give you anything. Yeah, you now mentioned the certificate-based authentication that was recently announced uh, as supported in Azure Active Directory. And, and I'm sure you have also had a, a more detailed look at it. And it really means that uh, we can, we can uh, modify the trust of Azure Active Directory tenant so, so that it starts trusting a certain CA uh, infrastructure, in other words, a different PKI. But it has to be somewhere else. And it's it's something that uh, I, I'm also going to discuss. We are going to discuss about uh, different vulnerabilities and even the knowledge requirement of implementing a PKI. And even Active Directory certificate services is is something that uh, you have to really ensure that the people who are implemented or who have implemented, or even some people might have left the companies that who initially implemented it, and some other people are now managing it, do they have the required knowledge? Uh, what is required, really? And it is something that uh, I, I, I came to think about it over the last uh, month or so when I was uh, conducting this new training and then also updating my own knowledge that it is it's something that if you can outsource it, why not do it? You mentioned code signing. Code signing is something that uh, Microsoft has, as, as I understood, it's in a private uh, preview at the moment. They are going to enable organizations to have code signing as a service from Azure. I'm not sure. Uh, I, I don't know whether Tobias, do you, do you have any idea? It's probably when it's ready, then it becomes uh, general even in the public preview. But it's something that uh, for code signing, there is uh, something that is keeping in the Yeah, to, from my end, I, it's nothing I've ever heard about. So I, no insights from either. For for code signing, then obviously you wouldn't use Let's Encrypt. But but Mika, any thoughts that if I'm now a junior developer and I need to code something, I'm perhaps sharing the binaries through GitHub, but perhaps not open sourcing anything. So I need to sign my code. Is it still, do, do, you, do you feel it's a common practice to just spin up a command prompt and do make search.exe and just create a self-signed certificate and say, yeah, it's signed by me, so you should trust me. Or in this, this scenario, should you look into a third-party solution perhaps? You should definitely go and uh, purchase a proper code signing certificate from a third party. And then also, uh, I already want to highlight that there are there is this uh, CAB forum that is related to organizations uh, doing PKI. They announced that uh, for organization validation code signing, 
there is going to be a requirement that it will be enforced on the 1st of June this year, so only a couple of months later. They will require that the private key has to be stored on a hardware based device. So, for example, you could use in Azure we in the key vault, we have those uh, uh, versions that store the key pairs in uh, hardware storage module HSMs. So that's something that uh, you, you can't just go, uh, you re refer to this uh, junior developer. Uh, up until now, he could go, he or she could go into the web browser and then just purchase such a certificate. And they, they could use the browser to create the key pair. But uh, starting from the 1st of June this year, they will have to have some kind of hardware for the OV. Uh, we have different kind of uh, code signing certificates. There are organization validation, there is extended validation EV, and it also relates to what kind of, if, if you are developing even drivers for Windows. So what is the Windows version? Windows version, if I remember it correctly, Windows version 10 requires EV code signing signed uh, uh, drivers, whereas then uh, the previous versions, they could use the OV organization validated signed uh, uh, drivers as well. But it's 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 pretty even even from here from our discussion, you see that there are there are different variations when it comes to even one uh, usage scenario in the cloud. Yeah, there there's so many moving parts here, and partially I'm happy that the old school lessons that we've learned back in the day when we would set up the certification services and on-prem AD and exporting, importing the private keys and whatnot, they still seem very relevant today. But at the same time, I'm I'm still sort of surprised that Azure does not have a ready-made platform as a service beyond perhaps Key Vault for storing whatever certificates. But but having a ready-made service that that would grant and and sort of manage the whole thing for me. So you mentioned a couple of relevant changes recently. Any anything else that people should pay attention to? If I if I can briefly go back into the previous yep. question, the cloud usage and the modern infrastructure. We all know that the containers are used there. How do you ensure that the containers are not modified? One way is of course to sign them. And then we need certificates. So that is uh, one usage scenario that uh, is very, very relevant. And then also, as we know, uh, I remember actually listening to some of your your talks or your notes uh, from from years back when Azure integrated with GoDaddy, so that for app services you could get the certificates directly from the Azure portal. And then also uh, DevOps. In in the DevOps, the code signing is in a, in a very very important role as well. You asked about the relevant changes recently. Over this uh, couple of months of updating my own knowledge, I learned that, for example, the certificate revocation checking has changed quite a bit. So in the in the past, uh, we had uh, I re I still remember I have some kind of visual memory, and I recall that a long time ago number of percentages of internet traffic was revocation cert, uh, CRLs, certificate revocation lists. But then I actually learned that over a number of years, 
uh, first Chrome browser and then afterwards uh, Chromium-based Edge also stop doing the revocation checking. We have had OCSP online certificate certificate online certificate OCSP online certificate status uh, checking uh, protocol uh, that actually uh, helped us to check the revocation. And even that has uh, somebody was referring at, uh, to it as a seat belt that actually breaks when you really crash in a car. <laughs> so it, it's something that uh, didn't work in a large scale well enough. And that's the, uh, one of the reasons why they dropped in the in the web browser. It doesn't check the uh, certificate revocations uh, apart from certain CA revocations uh, or CA uh, certificates at the moment. However, there are a number of scenarios. I'm sure you both have also seen that uh, in different scenarios, if the CRL or the revocation checking doesn't work, then uh, you can't proceed. And I was actually banging my head in the wall, trying to build up a two-tier two PKI. And then I, I actually I learned that in my uh, post uh, installations, it was actually a command line kind of a patch file. I had one space there and it was uh, leading me, the error was leading me into a uh, incorrect uh, direction. Anyway, another uh, change that I also faced was that uh, when I implemented IIS uh, 10 in Windows Server 2022 as a web server and then requiring uh, the client certificates, with Edge browser it was giving an error that it can't connect at all. And then I learned that actually you have to lower the requirements on the web server end. So there are there are changes that you have to be aware. And then also, of course, over the years, there have been different uh, uh, upgrades and uh, developments in certificate services. However, since 2016, there really haven't been that many changes anymore. All the, all the development efforts are, of course, in the cloud services. One of the probably highlights that I would like everybody, we will, we will put some references in the, uh, in the show notes, uh, is that it was uh, one and a half years ago, uh, summer 2021, when uh, two guys, they uh, had studied Active Directory Certificate Services in order to find different vulnerabilities for five months. And in the, in the Black Hat USA 2021, they announced these vulnerabilities along with a certain tool and a, something like 140-page white paper detailing all different vulnerabilities. And many of them are related to certificate templates. So I know that a lot of companies over the years, they have implemented their own certificate templates. And there are certain things that if you are doing them, especially programmatically, then you probably won't see the warnings that, hey, you are doing something that is going to cause you some consequences and it's going to be easy to break into your active directory uh, because of the uh, certificates that are going to be issued based on these templates. This is something that I, I strongly recommend everybody to have a look. And then over the years, I recall uh, one, one guy called Vadim Spodans. I, I remember him doing a lot of uh, reverse engineering for Microsoft PKI. Nowadays, he works for a company called PKI Solutions. And I've learned that PKI Solutions has a great solutions for monitoring 
and seeing and uh, also auditing that should somebody do something related to certificate template that gives and opens doors for different kind of attacks, then at least you would have a solution that is there. And I, I've been thinking that uh, since Microsoft has a defender for identity, why don't they have also a defender for ADCS so that that tool would be there in order to find out different kind of uh, attack vectors. I think those are probably the most important uh, changes that uh, I would highlight here. Okay, so one one thinking that I have here is I've, I've recently been working in a couple of projects that need to utilize cloud Kerberos. So, so enabling the Kerberos support in Azure AD to, to sort of piggyback back to on-premises AD to get Kerberos authentication and authorization working. Stuff like we know Windows Hello for Business and, and Azure files and, and, and whatnot. But it seems to me that often you can get those running without any PKI because you're sort of relying on whatever Active Directory is, is giving to you. But what we've gone through now I'm more and more leaning on, on the thinking that, yes, the PKI definitely needs to be designed and planned and, and implemented in a, in a proper way. Even if at times, as you said, the certificate services service, it, it looks like it's from 2008. The interface still looks so old, but we still sort of need that. So so what, what about the future? We already sort of thought that perhaps there's going to be a nice service for Azure, or at least that's what we're hoping for. But anything else from the future besides AI-enabled dishwashing machines that, that we should think about? One major thing that we should think about is quantum computing. So it's, it's something that the, uh, when I mentioned earlier, the SHA-1 uh, uh, integrity algorithm that was then replaced by SH2 and even SH3. All these uh, crypto, crypto and uh, algorithms that we are using at the moment, most of them, they are Diffie-Hellman or RSA or even ECC, so elliptical cryptography based. All those might become irrelevant or they might be easily broken after the comp quantum computing really takes uh, uh, or it, uh, there, there have been some, some suggestions already that it might be only a couple of years from now on when the quantum uh, will be able to brute force or make these algorithms that we currently use uh, kind of completely useless. And that's that's something that uh, we, we, we have to think. And I mentioned already earlier this crypto agility so that we, we whatever we are going to go for, and uh, select as our solution, then it, it should be agile in, in a manner that uh, the whole, uh, not only the life cycle of certificates should be managed, but also the whole PKI implementation, it should be somehow dynamic and as automated as possible so that it would be easy for us to, to implement it again uh, using different kind of algorithms. Last year in July 22nd, the NIST announced first four quantum resistant cryptographic algorithms. 
I don't even remember their names. Uh, we'll put the link so that everybody can read. And those people who are more mathematically oriented or have time, they can they can uh, find out whether they are really uh, resistant. But anyway, that's something that you you should really think about. The other thing uh, I mentioned already the organization validation code signing, but then uh, also uh, I would like to highlight this IoT and it's it's not only about smart homes, but we, it's also about operational technology. So so when we talk about factory factories and uh, all different systems used there, they are being uh, more connected as well. So. I, I, I see PKI and certificates having a very important and crit even critical role in those. And it's, it's of course, even more important uh, than uh, consumer IoT. So that's something that we, we should also take into consideration. And they even announced it was just uh, in November 2022. I hadn't actually heard about this matter. I don't know. I was thinking when I was reading some uh, white papers, I was thinking first that, uh, oh, is this matter some company? But no, it was actually uh, uh, some something that uh, I, I think there were 250 different organizations involved in uh, implementing Matter. And I, I, I checked the security white paper for Matter that was uh, released uh, sometime last spring. And of course, it has PKI certificates there as well. Yeah, I, I'm sort of following on on a matter a little bit on the side but but it, it it looks interesting but i i i think we still need plenty of support for the hardware devices for actually to to make sense to invest meaning buying uh devices for home or starting to configure any any, any of those so so toby we sort of discussed the pki bits here uh are are you exposed to to any of the certificate related things in Azure? Because I know you have your head in the clouds. So is this something that that puts you into thinking now that hmm, should I think about the certificate services, or is this something that that you would probably rely on third party services in the future as well? Yeah, that, that's a great question. So I first of all, this discussion is is pretty cool. It's a very deep dive into these things. Um, I've learned a lot of things I had no idea about. I am cloud only in everything I do. In past roles, I've managed quite a lot of certificates. And again, they've been issued by uh, CAs in the cloud. So we've kind of bought the certificates. We relied on them for, for web apps and for encryption keys and for all kinds of stuff, but all cloud-based and, and used the available services in Azure to do that. And that's been pretty good. The one thing that was always a challenge is like rotating certificates, especially if you use them as encryption keys. And I think that's, you know, coming back to the point about quantum computing in the future and that current certificates might not hold a good defense when quantum can start breaking those and then it can break them in, in a few seconds, perhaps. Uh, one thing that comes to mind is you mentioned here, Mika, as well with uh, like crypto agility. And that got me thinking like, from a business perspective, when you set things up to rely on a specific type of certificate, whether that's for encryption, encrypting text, encrypting messages, encrypting an entire service, encrypting the communication, kind of decoupling it from like, so you have it as a business requirement, but making sure you can quickly rotate them. One of the experiences I had in the past is 
we started using a certificate to encrypt some data and then we realized all right we it's going to expire we need to cycle this and and uh, put a new certificate in but all the data was encrypted using the old certificate so we needed to keep that around even though it's expired because otherwise all the data was not readable so there are some challenges with that so i i love this idea of like crypto agility we're thinking about the long term how do i imagine i have to cycle the certificate every day right because a lot of people do this manually still you go there you know it's going to expire in a year and you you know take your time whatever it's not going to happen yet but imagine you would have to do it every day that's kind of the mindset i usually put in because that forces you to automate and ensure that you have the business processes in place to really ensure you know if an incident happened and someone did break your certificate how quickly can you rotate that and ensure that you close all the systems down without shutting all your production systems down? So I, I love that angle. And also thinking quantum, like when quantum is strong enough to break your encryptions, I'm pretty confident that on the other hand, quantum is going to be a better way of in, encrypting things as well. So current certificates, if they will be broken by quantum technology, all right, maybe that's bad. But on the other side of the coin, quantum, when it can break those encryptions can probably provide us with stronger encryptions as well. So we can start rolling out ways to protect our data and our systems uh, using quantum computing, which then should also hopefully inherently be quantum resistant. Um, but yeah, this is sparking all kinds of ideas in my head for the future and where things are going and how to protect our systems. Um, but I love this term that you coined here, crypto agility. You know, How do you rotate quickly? How do you get things? Um, Imagine you have a smart home. We talked about that. Even my my radiators, they have Wi-Fi built in. And when you connect them, you just turn it on. And then it says, I found your Wi-Fi. Should I get on your phone? It's, it doesn't even ask for a password. It doesn't do anything. It's like automatically just trust it and jumps aboard, right? So more encryption, more protection, but also the more agility for us to quickly rotate certificates when they expire or when we don't trust them anymore, or for whatever reason we need to rotate them. Those are the only kind of top of mind. I'm thinking not so deep in the tech because I don't understand half of the things here. I don't have the experience with the old uh, certificates, services, and IAS and all these things from that angle. But I'm thinking from the business side, from the business process, and like how do, how do we maintain this over time? And I, I really love this, and like this entire concept. And it's getting me thinking in maybe a future episode where we have just ideas for the future. And I guess quantum is a pretty big portion of that. What pain can quantum cost, but also what aid can it come with? What can it fix for us in the future? So yeah, now I'm just rambling. I have so many ideas, but I'm going to stop talking right now. Yeah, I was I was actually going to say about the uh, DevOps and DevSecOps. So that uh, since we have Dev Defender for DevOps integration now available, and then also you actually, Tobias, uh, put it in a nice way that yes, you have to be able to automate the whole life cycle of certificate. But then when we put the next level there or next kind of, uh, um, how should I say? Uh, anyway, so that how do you actually automate and you, you mentioned also decoupling this uh, uh, encryption or PKI or signing out of your process so that uh, it would be easy for you to change the whole PKI, whole algorithm into something that is uh, then quantum resistant. And I must, I must uh, say that I, I have learned about uh, a lot of these topics by listening to Sektipo's uh, 
podcast they they talked about uh, the, those guys are uh, doing this for their business so they were talking about this agility and i, I think uh, it would be beneficial to put that uh, link also in the show notes but you'll see back to you what's your what's your thoughts yeah so i'm sort of leaning back on on whatever we had in the past on on adcs and, and ad and all that I don't have an on-prem AD running anymore. I, I shut it down a couple of years ago. I, I spin up a demo one or a lab one when I need it, but I'm not relying on that one. And then when it comes to enterprise systems, I'm sort of blown away still that, that we don't really have a great solution for managing this. Quantum, I'm not too exposed on that one, but I have been sort of partially following up on the encryption versus quantum, what, what would it be? And it's interesting to know that now that we have the quantum resistant uh, cryptographic algorithms becoming available, but obviously that takes years for those to mature and become available, but also for companies to really invest more into quantum, both both in a, in a positive and perhaps in a, in a negative way. So to sort of summarize, PKI, I feel it was sort of forgotten in the past 10 years. In the 1990s, early 2000, I recall each meeting was about PKI. Then we sort of dropped the ball and figured, yeah, let's go to the cloud. Let's not think about PKI. And now to me, it feels that it is coming back a bit like what DNS has been doing in the past 10 years. It's super relevant, but everybody's sort of bored already because it's DNS, nobody cares about that until it breaks and i feel pki is on the same way toby toby would you agree on this this assessment i mean whatever you say in this area i'm gonna trust it because I, <laughs> I have no idea about half of these things <laughs> all righty mika any any sort of closing words any any go to actions for anybody listening on this perhaps wanting to get up to speed on all things we de- debated today say that go and check our show notes and uh, thanks a lot for invitation excellent and and we'll put make us contact info also in the show notes if anybody wants to reach out perhaps to ask for a training delivered by mika there's a lot of content in the show notes so make sure to 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 pay visit on those as well the last bit is the unexpected question toby would you like to ask mika the unexpected question yeah, sure. So I, I found a good question. So are, are you ready for this one, Mika? Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> okay, so because I'm very interested in this answer. If animals could talk, which would be the rudest animal and why? And what would it say? Yeah, this is unexpected. <laughs> if animals could talk. I think this time I'm I'm taking a kind of easy option i would think that it would be cats and dogs because they are pets and i think they've been listening to some of the rudest uh, creatures in on this planet <laughs> i have no idea what i would chuck this as the rudest thing that they would say but then it's something that at least they have had uh, very very many options uh, opportunities to learn those rudest rules see that's a great answer actually i was i was thinking about you know, some of the animals in the savanna have some ideas about what they would say, but uh, this is actually a much better answer because you're right. They would be influenced probably by 
whatever we say in our homes and they would just listen in. And then at one point they start talking and we're like, what the heck is going on here? I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that, that if I had a dog and it could suddenly talk, it would say something like, it is perfectly fine to store your private key of your self-signed certificate as a text file on the Windows server desktop. <laughs> Alrighty. Thank you, Mika. Thanks for joining. Thank you for sharing the information. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We'll have a fresh episode for you again next week on Wednesday. See you then. Goodbye.